Red leader, standing by. Gold leader, standing by. I'm glad that I didn't even have to prep you for that one. You this don't. is <laughs> this is Casey, and this is Chris, and we are we're Tallite talking, guys. We are back a we week got, later. I know a week later. Um, so yeah, previous episode we talked all about what we kind of thought was going to happen in Rogue One. And now we're going to talk about what did happen. Chris and I both had the chance to see it twice um, since it came out uh, last Thursday, since our last episode. And, you know, let's kind of address this movie and kind of go right into it. Um, I'll preface it by saying this will be a very spoiler-heavy episode. Like, if you did not see this movie, do not listen to this podcast we are going to be talking spoilers, right? Warning, spoilage ahead. Okay, good. Warning, warning. Are you still here? Are you still here? You're gone. Okay, let's go. Let's get into it. So first things first, um, we're going to go into the plot a little bit. Um, I'm not going to go beat for beat, but, you know, uh, the movie starts out introducing our characters. We get to meet everybody. The plot is laid out that Jaren Erso needs her dad, Galen Erso. Um, in order to figure out what he's doing exactly with the Imperials. They have zero idea what he's doing with the Imperials, but they know that it can't be good. That happens. You know that he created the Death Star. Well, he helped create the weapon in the Death Star, and he also created a way to destroy that weapon. Um, And the whole third act of the movie is recovering those plans to take down the death star as we've seen in a new hope we learned that many people died from that and such is the case so chris for you what worked what didn't work what'd you like not like lay it on me you know i i love the way they opened up the movie um it really it really does pick up where catalyst left off uh it does there's actually a really humorous line in there that I think it was probably the best critic of the whole movie seeing that um, loved him so much in the book. And we'll talk about in a little bit how he was definitely just kind of laid out there for everybody to kind of beat up on throughout this movie. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, we, you know, we left, um, we left in catalyst with them arriving on, I forgot what the planet's called, but uh, in hiding away from Krennic and the empire here, uh, we open to Krennic arriving on the planet, and the Ursos going into like uh, panic mode and getting ready to, um, you know, go and like get Jin into hiding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lear is supposed to go hide, and so on. Um, we we meet Saw Gerrera in the movie for the first time, which is cool. Um, so it really sets up the movie, um, gives it a good link to the book, um, and you know, it's 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 actually sad for us who you know, read the book, who read the book to watch Lyra get shot in that, in that scene. Um, so Which we I think thought it was going to happen. We oh, knew, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure if she was going to be in this movie or not. We did see, you know, f- flashes of it in the trailers, but, you know, I really think it was, um, it was the best way to go in this story. I mean, um, you know, Krennic, when, or when Galen tells Krennic that she's dead and then she shows up, he's like, oh, look, it's Lyra back from the dead. And both times I laugh, even though it's like so dark and you know it's going to happen. Right. It's it's actually quite comical that he says it like that. So, um, it's a 
for us that read the book, it was a really nice, um, I think the beginning of that movie makes even more sense and has a little bit more depth. <clears throat> and then we jump right into, um, you know, years later, we skipped a whole mid time when she's with Saw Gerrera, which will make a good comic or book series at some point. <laughs> um, you know, even, you know, we'll, I'll say it, he's going to show up in Rebels. Who knows when that time period is. I think we already discussed this. We're sure it's not during that, but um, it'll be cool to see that. Um, but then we, you know, we flash forward to her being in Imperial Jail already. And then um, things kind of just go right into action. Yeah. Did it ever feel slow to you? The whole movie? No, like there's parts in the second act um, which kind of dipped a little for me. Um, just like with them trying to go get Galen, I was kind of like, all right, let's, uh, this is all right. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. It, the there's just thing. little things, little things. I'm I'm nitpicking because honestly, I love the movie. I turned from like to love between the first and second viewing. Yeah, I did too. And I think that as we watch this movie again and again, those moments will just add, it adds more weight to the situation because it does, as you, as you learn who these characters are and by the end of the movie, um, understand what happens to everybody and how, they're on like this, this, this pathway to destruction. Um, it's just, <laughs> I, I think it's right for it. It, it. It's just like, I, you want to kind of spend more time with them and see them just like develop the friendships that they do have because they do, I think develop, um, good interpersonal connections between each character. Um, especially with Jin being the center of it. Uh, you know, I think that they, I think that everybody carries a certain weight to them by the end of the movie. And, um, you know, we talked about a little bit, you know, prior to this, that we didn't think the character development was that good, but at the same time, um, I'll say it right now. I mean, you're killing off everybody in the movie, you know, how much, how much did you really have to build up those third, fourth, fifth characters more than you did already? Like they did a great job with Cassian. They did a great job with Jin. And I think those, those little interludes, they just, they just add more to the story and kind of like the depth of the, the relationship that they're forming in order to, you know, to get to the end point. Yeah. I mean, it's a balancing act, you know, um, half of it is you, you're, they're all going to die. So how much time do you want to spend with them? Like we know that the point and even one of the characters really is like the plans, you know what I mean? And then, but the, at the same time, it's like you see K2SO die and it's like, that's emotional because yeah. that character is, freaking brilliant like that was just that was to me he was probably the most developed character and then cassian and then Jin, and you know and i think that's kind of like a little bit of the problem um i i guess we'll go into it right now it's that there was the talk of reshoots and re-edits um with this movie and they had to hire in another writer, Tony Gilroy, to come in and supposedly fix it because Disney saw the first cut of it and they said it was too much of a you know, war movie a little bit, maybe like add some other elements. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't think about it too much like while I was watching the movie, like, oh, what, what, what did they kind of change? Like when you watch Suicide Squad and you heard that there was reshoots, 
like it's almost like watching two different movies it's like you have this group get together almost like heist type thing with suicide squad and then you also have that other plot of like the um, enchantress and it's like what movie are you this movie did not feel like that to me i'll be honest with you i thought it, it felt like a cohesive movie i couldn't tell you know like this actor changed their hair (laughs) in the five months it took between reshoots or whatever it seemed fine but i will say that i believe the character of Jin changed between what we saw the first trailer of you know she seemed kind of like a smart ass she seemed a little bit more like a Han Solo type character, like a little bit more sarcastic. And, you know, um, I'm a, you're a rebel, you know, a rebellion, aren't you? Well, I rebel, you know what I mean? And like, she's that kind of character. Like how did she get thrown into jail? Maybe that is something that we'll explore, but to me, it felt like she might've been a little bit of a different character. And then you also have a line of saw talking to her, you know, what, what will they do when they catch you? What will you do when they break you? If you continue to fight, what will you become? Those lines to me indicate that there was somebody different that they initially wrote that what we got on screen was hope, 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 hope. And more, more than that was you are the shadow of your father. And really the only reason you're even in this thing is because we need your dad. Her, we're not going to develop that much because it's more about getting those plans from her dad and like that's it yeah yeah i mean as much as you want to say k2 was most fleshed out i i'm gonna have to say that cassian was in my opinion the most fleshed out character i mean he goes from he goes from the beginning of the movie where he's just like a complete assassin and he just shoots that guy in the street and you're like okay cool he's he's like He's like James Bond in space. He's 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 the Kyle Katurn of of this universe because, um, and then you move through, and he he picks up this mission in which you, behind the scenes, you're seeing him being tasked with killing Gellin or so, so he's using Jin to get to his point, and then eventually he he goes full circle with redemption, I guess, which is kind of always the Star Wars theme, anyhow. Right, the right choice, becoming being the better person, um, which, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, but he, to me, he was probably the most fleshed out, uh, well-developed character in the whole film. Um, and, you know, I, surprisingly enough, I didn't really expect that much from the character. Um, uh, and you can, you can see that, you know, you can listen to our last podcast and he definitely was not the top of my list. And, and in the end he was Jin, you know, what? reading the book <clears throat> gives us more backstory in the Ursos. Um, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of stuff that was cut and it does, it does really feel different when you think about, and I've watched, you know, I watched those, those trailers in the last couple of days as well, just to kind of refresh. And it's, it is very, it's very different. Um, so I, I don't know what they wanted to really accomplish. I mean, one thing my wife said when, when it was, when it was over was she thought the end battle was kind of drawn out. Um, and that's coming from the point of view of somebody who's like, and I said, listen, it's Star Wars. It's the first thing we get is, you know, this is, this is Star Wars. This is mm-hmm. what it's about. And she's like, yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, I felt it was kind of drawn out. Maybe, maybe that's what, maybe that's one of the big things it was about the movie that it was just too, it was too much war, like you said. And, 
they really wanted to add more of that um, that hope appeal that right. Star Wars is supposed to give you. And it did. But I'm going to also say that this was definitely a very violent and dark movie at the same time. Um, yeah. And especially the second time I watched it, I was just like, you know what? This is this is probably, you know, it's probably more violent than The Empire Strikes Back even. Oh, it is. I, I mean, this is, you know, I was sitting next to a guy who had two kids with him. And I, I want to say that they, they were a little bit older. I think they might have been like 10 or 11 or something like that. But he's like, yeah, I heard that this movie's not good for little kids. And I was like, well, I was like, it, it, it's not The Force Awakens, even though The Force Awakens was PG-13. There was violence, but it was a little bit more pop, you know what I mean, as well. And a little bit more fun than this movie. And, I, you know, this is... I mean, everybody's been drawing the comparison to the Empire Strikes Back because it is the darkest Star Wars movie. And this movie, I would say, is, you know, up there, if not, like you said, more dark because no one, <laughs> no one lives. No one really has much reason to smile. You know what I mean? Like Saw Carrera is like, <laughs> he's war-torn. You get... Chira Emway, who's like one with the force, the force is one with him. Like he, he, you know, he's he's the force, so he doesn't care if he dies or lives. Baze Melbus, he was just kind of like Chimwitz, like your Chirit's uh dude. You know, I that character is probably like the least uh developed of all of them. Um Bodhi Rook, I actually didn't mind him. Um yeah, he was a good. I like that character. Yeah, I thought he was good. And I, I like that he, like, you know, did his thing at the end where he was like, you know what? I got to do this. This is it. And, like, you did really feel at the end, like, the stakes are so high. And, you know, even though, like, Cassian does have a bit of a character arc, like, he didn't lose faith from what he has to do. You know, they and he has that line that's like, we've all done things you know that we might not be proud of like for the rebellion and you know like if you have to kill people you got to do it whether they're innocent or guilty you know it's like for the greater good of the galaxy it's being a soldier that's that's what it is it's like you know you make these choices and even if it's you know you don't want to and it's not always the right one but it's 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 for the it's for the cause you know and that's in the end, you have to sacrifice yourself for the cause. That's what it was all about, and they had no problem doing that. They understood what they had to do. Nobody moped around, and they just they kicked ass until the end. That was it. That's the only, per- the only person that moped around the whole movie was Krennic. That's it. Well, I'll, I'll touch <laughs> on Krennic. Like, there's one thing I, I did want to say, and it might be a whole separate podcast, is that I've always had... I don't know what the word would be interest or in military and star Wars, because the Jedi are not military people and they get turned into generals. Luke isn't a military person. Han is a military person. Leia is probably the most on that path. And like, they throw around these titles to these people because they help out in the rebellion. and And I get it, but I've always really had like weird issues with like the fact that like, Oh, General Skywalker. It's like, you're not a general. And I think they, they address it in Clone Wars. Um, 
I remember there's an episode about that where there is like an actual general guy who's like, you guys don't know anything about the military. You're not military tacticians. You just happen to have these powers and we're using you to, to do what we need to do. So I always thought that that was really curious with like the rebellion to me isn't a bunch of military people as much as it's like um, in our own American history like guerrilla warfare i can't remember the minutemen you know what i mean like, like people like you and me who just decided to be like hey don't invade our country i'm gonna go pick up a pitchfork and get in a tree and throw it at you <laughs> yeah like red dawn yes yeah. yes yes <laughs> um but anyway that's a different discussion but krennic krennic was my favorite character going in because of reading catalyst and we talked about how i had t-shirt and pop and all this stuff and now K2 goes and replaces all of that because his character was just, he was an essential character to what you understand as far as like military interplay or even like corporate interplay. Like there's always somebody trying to climb that corporate ladder and they don't care who they get in their way. And they just want to rub elbows with, with Tarkin and the emperor and Vader and be part of like that crew. And, um, but Tarkin, consistently shut him down and then Krennic whined like a bitch about it. Like he pulled out that gun in, in the last scene. And I was like, what are you going to do? You don't, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to do anything. It was just kind of like, okay, you know, let's give this guy a gun for the sake of doing it because it kind of drives the plot along a little bit, but he's not really useful. And you definitely did not get the idea that that guy had anything to do with the building of the Death Star, other than them saying, hey, my efforts are the ones who did it, my achievements, not yours. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't really believe you because the the movie didn't convey that well enough. I mean, I know he did. I read that whole book on it. James Lucino did a good job of convincing me of that, but not the movie. Yeah, that's why you should never choke on your aspirations. That's <laughs> yeah. <it. That's> <laughs> I was going that was one of the best lines of that movie. Yeah, Here. some people were talking about how cheesy it was, and I was like, "What? Star Wars? It's so like on the nose? It would be like, <laughs> so don't good. force me to stop you, Krennic. You know what I mean? I don't care because Star Wars is cheesy to a certain yeah. degree, and even in the comics, he'll say those kind of things, and in the books, and it's like, you know what? He choked somebody, and I've you know I haven't seen Vader choke anybody in forty years, so I don't care. Choke anybody, say whatever you want while you're doing it. That's not true. He choked his wife. <laughs> he two thousand and two thousand and three. Some other dude did that. No, he was. He thought he was Vader at that point. <laughs> Some crusty pre-burn victim did that. Um. <laughs> but anyway, anything else you want to talk about the uh, the characters in in this movie? And oh, actually, yeah, we have a lot, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, a lot still. more to talk about character wise. Um, Let's talk about Tarkin as long as we're talking about Krennic. Yeah. Um, I got I got a little feedback from my wife that she she couldn't stand it, and I read online where like some people agreed with the uncanny valley. I. I I don't get it because I thought it was straight up pretty amazing what they did. I was very impressed with the CG 
and the ability to the only thing I really didn't like is he doesn't he didn't really talk as much like Tarkin, like the way he sounded like, rolls his R's and stuff like that. He really does that a lot like um the old Peter Tarkin Cushing. did pretty yeah, Peter Cushing. Um and I'd like I watched New Hope the other day and I was just like there is a big difference between the way they talk, but I can really appreciate what they how far and above they went to recreate that character and and give him that creepy look and I I bought it and I'm a huge Star Wars fan and like I'm very picky about that stuff but you know what I can't I can't sit there and put them down for the effort um I thought it was I thought it was pretty good yeah I, I've had people like there was a discussion thread that my friend started today on Facebook about it and you know just about thoughts on Rogue One and she was mentioning the uncanny valley and um I agree with you though I I thought he looked fantastic i wasn't pulled out of the movie um one thing in particular that really impressed me was like when he's standing next to krennic and he like kind of like talks to like his ear and i didn't realize how tall tarkin was because obviously you see him he's like standing next to vader who's a giant so it was just i just didn't think about how tall he was and i was like that's that's intimidating dude you know Mm -hmm. what i mean i was a little curious not uncanny valley curious but like he was governor tarkin i wonder if krennic just didn't want to call him grand moff because like this is 15 minutes away so that might have been krennic just giving a dig to them because he should be grand moff i think well he goes by both um i think they mentioned that in the book too uh in the tarkin book no in the in the catalyst book because yeah. i think at one point he says to him like I don't know what you go by these days or something like that, and like he continues. I, I think that's part of the book. Um, okay. So remember that, Grand Moff is a is an anointed title by the emperor, right? Uh, but he's still he's still governor, and it's still those kind of like, you know, those overreign that overreigning power. Um, in in re, in regards to his 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 height and his 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 towering over people, if you watch. A New Hope, the same thing kind of when he when he's about to like he gets in Leia's face about revealing the base on on Alderaan. It's and it's the same kind of imposing. I just feel like she was threatening. short. She I mean, is, I understand what you're saying. Yes, but, is, but yeah. I mean, it's like still that like still that imposingness that he that he that he gives um, over people. And I mean, even compared to Vader in that movie, he wasn't too much smaller. So I mean. I, you know, I, I liked it. I thought that he was very, it was a very appropriate thing to do for this movie. Yeah. And I loved that he got as much screen time as he did because that, that actually shocked me. I was like, oh, okay, A, he's not going to turn around. He turned around. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. And then it was like, okay, he's just going to do this one scene. Nope. Keep going back to him. I was like, oh my God. Like I was, and especially that was another, that was one thing that Catalyst really did help with is that you got that interplay between Krennic and Tarkin. We talked about it in the last episode that they did a really good job of that character. And to see him in this, it was like, you had to. Um, one character that was missing was the actual emperor. And I, I still feel like that would have been cool to see, but oh well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would have been cool to see maybe in hologram form, like we said, but at the same time, Vader being in it, Vader castle, Vader in that 
that that weird chamber where he's like no suit. I mean, it's like they gave you a lot of cool things in that aspect, especially with the end of the movie with Vader. I mean, it was just like if you did. Well, I want to talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, yeah. But I mean, if you did too much more with like, I guess you would. I didn't want. I you don't want to add too much to this movie because I had the same discussion with my wife. I was just like. If you start putting too many Easter eggs in the movie, you put too much in, it just feels like you're doing too much fan service instead of really using them smartly and developing them. Yeah. Developing them. Because the Emperor doesn't show up in A New Hope, so why wouldn't he? At say like that council meeting. Why you know, it's just like maybe he's off doing something better. And then he shows up in the Empire Strikes Back. So Right. All right. I mean, I'm not gonna complain. It's like no. like you said, like this one thing this movie achieved more than I ever thought it could have been is that it wasn't a, Hey, look, it's me. It's star Wars. It was like, this just naturally makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. this is the prequel that I have always wanted. And yeah, you know, you might go and ask yourself, um, and it's part of our Easter eggs, but like how did Dr. Cornelius Avazan and Panda Baba go from Jin, which immediately gets destroyed and make it back to Tatooine. I don't know. I could ask myself that question. They were not even give a shit. <laughs> they're on their way out. Yeah, that's the assumption is that they're on their way out. But it's like they, they have the death sentence in nine systems or something like that. So I mean, it's like they're all over the place. Nothing yeah, stops he them. Gets, he gets a job immediately as a bartender at Mossy Cantina. <laughs> they murder somebody else. Yeah. So anyway, it was just like it was just funny. Like those little things, and we're going to go into the Easter eggs later, um, how they didn't distract me so much. There's a, there's one that did, but other than that, I I was like pleasantly surprised, and I giggled, and I was like, oh my god, you know, when I when they came up, and I, I did get to experience them, so it, it was nice. Definitely, definitely. Um, moving on to... Uh, the rebellion characters that were in this. Yeah, movie. I mean, we had we had some pretty big, uh, pretty big cameos here. Um, some straight out, you know, straight from uh, A New Hope. Some that we haven't, you know, we weren't. We we're kind of expecting, and some we weren't. So, um, we'll start with uh, let's start with General Dodonna. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. He's he's the big. He's the he's the main leader in A New Hope. On on um, Yavin four, and I mean, it was great to go there. Um, I thought that was an awesome. You know, it was a, we knew we were going there, but I mean, it's it was so great to see that at the time. Um, then we have Mon Mothma, who they did a great job with the casting, um, especially since you know we see we saw her in the in the prequel at the end, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, in episode three, and then we see her in episode six. So. This is a nice way just to, you know, tie everything together, um, put the character in there that she was important throughout. Uh, apparently she leaves Yavin 4 during this time because she doesn't, you know, she's not there in episode four. So, um, and then Jimmy Smith's returning as Bell Organa was awesome. Yeah, that was nice. That's, that's, that's really great. I mean, it's, it's nice when you can age the characters um, kind of, you know, with their natural age. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> it's, it just makes so much sense to, that he was there and then he left and those, that little dialogue between him and my about Leia and, and Obi-Wan. So I, uh, it was, 
it was such a nice touch to the movie to yeah. just have him there because it's like they're talking and he shows up and like it changed changes the mood of that whole conversation with Jin that he's there and it's just like it's like this is cool yeah it was uh they, they like I said they just it was fan service for some of these things but it was really nice and it, it just didn't feel distracting it just felt no, it's it intelligent felt yeah yeah it's very smart um any other things you want to mention about the the cast oh i guess we didn't really talk about saw real quick yeah i mean i i didn't really expect that storyline as much i really liked the way because i i wasn't sure how they were going to bring in saw Gerrera. Mm-hmm. i was like i hope they do it really smart and i hope that you know we saw that it was like the lines he gives in the in the trailer seem kind of cheesy and off and it's just like you know i wasn't sure how they're gonna do it but the way they treated it was so good that he was an extremist that the rebellion wasn't like wasn't really sided with him because he was like off doing his own thing um that he was crazy <laughs> um so i you know it's such a cool evolution of the character to go from what we saw on Andoran, uh in the clone wars uh, to maybe what we'll see on Rebels and these in-between stories too. Saw Guerrero walking around with no real legs, yeah. breathing through the <laughs> through the Vader breathing machine because that was the sound effect. Yes, that was, was cool. And um, him just being super paranoid about what he's doing um, to the point where he doesn't, almost doesn't trust Jin when she gets there. So uh, I, it was a really neat development of the character and an end to the character um, as we know it. So, um, yeah, I give, I mean, I was more than impressed with how they, how they treated his storyline. What did you think of Fern Gully <laughs> or whatever that thing? <laughs> oh, that monster. I, I read an article about it the other day about the evolution of creatures in star Wars. And it was such a, it's such a different, creepy kind of creature that we've really never seen before mm-hmm. yeah the raptors were cool for you know um for force awakens the rancor is one of the coolest creatures of all cinematic history right. the dianoga the wampa we have all these really cool monsters this like mind reading you know <laughs> lie detector monster was a really cool like it, like I said, it's creepy. It, it freaked me out a little bit when I uh, when I think about it. And it was like it really, it really messed Bodhi up. Yeah, it wiped his mind almost. It's like the hyperspace whales that we met in um, in Rebels. You know what I mean? Like it's just, I I think that's one of the things that George Lucas did. And I I know I might get a little flag from saying this, but even like in Indiana Jones, when people are really mad about crystal skull, they're like aliens. Where, what, what? And I'm like, what about living forever? Like, that's not a weird concept to you. Right. Like, so the same thing with like monsters, people have got so much shit about the wrath tars. And it's like, we don't know what this world is like. All we know is that we saw Jabba the Hutt. And because he kind of speaks his own dialect, he's not a monster. But then we see the Sarlacc, that is a monster. We see the Wampa, it eats somebody. Is Chewie a monster? We don't know what he's saying. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you guys just, 
yeah, there's another weird, creepy ass monster that you know is used for bind wiping. <laughs> yes, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was neat. I didn't think it looked cheesy, and it, you know, oh. Chris saw. I I definitely liked his character. To me, I wish. I get it, like why he stays where he does, and how why he's like so paranoid, because of how he was in Clone Wars, and he was like so in the thick of it. He was so hasty, and maybe like that's part of his evolution that we find out why he kind of goes and reverts, or um, not even that, like becomes like a recluse almost. Mm-hmm. I I would like to see where that transition came from, and maybe we will in Rebels because. To me, he's a little bit more like Rex, but more extreme. Like, he's just always, like, guns blazing, let's get in there, let's do this. Well, Rex does think about things, but you know what I mean? Where, like, I thought Saw would have been, like, on that that battlefield, you know, stealing those, um, the the Kaiba, Kaiba, <laughs> Kaiba crystals. <laughs> so... I mean, obviously, he wasn't very mobile anymore. No, I know, I know. <laughs> he, uh, and- he probably did do that enough that... That's why he doesn't. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look. I mean, he yeah. lost both of his legs somehow. Yeah. And obviously, it's probably in battle. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm, I'm sure. And 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 thing of that, you even question that we'll get a backstory, is is a great thing because you know they'll flesh it out. You yeah. know that we'll get the opportunity for Saw and Rebels, Saw comic series, Saw book eventually. So I mean, it's not like we don't have decades of these stories ahead of us, which is probably right. the best thing about being a Star Wars fan right now. And Pablo Hidalgo to like story weave the whole thing because uh, like that guy is just he's going crazy. He's going oh. crazy. And well actually I'll I'll save this until after the break. So anything else? Um I just I do want to talk about Chirut and Baz a little or Baze a little bit. Um I do oh, yeah. want to I just want to talk about like how they were protectors of the. Uh, it, was a temp- the it was a temple, right? It was uh, it was a Jedi temple there. So they're the guardians of the wills, which uh-huh. you can explain what that is if you'd like. Can you? Yeah. I okay. Sorry, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it is what because I didn't I didn't look it up. I have not really looked. It up. Yeah, no, it's uh, what George Lucas originally called Star Wars. It was called Luke, what, Starkiller, Starkiller and the Journal of the Wills. And that title sounds fucking ridiculous, which obviously makes way more sense to call it Star Wars, but even though there was no wars in that movie. But, um, <laughs> yeah. That's that's what it was. So That was a real deep reference, you know, um, back to the original title. And the Wills would be more of you know, force stuff, I guess, like explaining the history of the force probably. Okay. And Jetta, I believe is because there is like a, uh, a Jedi temple there, which is what they're kind of protecting. And like a Kyber mine, which is what they are protecting. Um, Jedi probably is why we got the name Jedi. And we obviously see that huge ass, uh, you know, not statue, but sculpture. What is it like sculpture? Yeah, I guess of a, well, I don't of a Jedi. Exactly. <laughs> well, we know it's a Jedi, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, how to really explain don't... what it is? Right, and that's the kind of things where they're really opening up 
you, you know, just to even say the Guardians of the Wills, you know, just to see that, um, I feel like those are little things that eventually we might get a bigger picture. Uh, you know, hopefully it's all leading to eventually getting to a old Republic world, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, but those two characters, you know, Donnie Yen, like a lot of people like that was it, like, they loved that character. I, I definitely liked him. I don't have anything bad against him, but you do. He wasn't like, Oh my God, you got to see everything this guy does to me. No, I no. was like, he has a cool character. He's a cool character. I mean, it's, I mean his his martial arts style that he that he developed for this movie is awesome. Yeah, when, oh, yeah. when he like takes on those stormtroopers is awesome. When he shoots that tie out of the sky with his crossbow stick is pretty you awesome. Know, that was the other thing that people were saying is that they were saying that was his staff. It wasn't. It was a I different weapon in the second. Well, what happened is he's got his stick. Uh-huh. And he beats up a bunch of those lightsabers for or um the stormtroopers and then uh Baz or Baze shoots all those stormtroopers, right? And then what happens is he picks up that weapon off the ground and he gives it. Oh yeah. And that is what opens up and shoot as a bowcaster type thing. Um, it wasn't his his stick is completely separate from that. And I was like, there's some other things that people were throwing out there, and I'm like, after watching it the second time, I'm like, you must have just watched it the first time because what you're saying isn't right, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. You can't blame people either. No, 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 it's all new stuff. But when he says like Baze is like he was the most dedicated protector or guardian of all of us, that's another big line. And that's something like I would love to see the story of those two kind of fleshed out as well. well. You know, we'll be getting books for that. I'm yeah. surprised they're actually yeah, getting out because for the journey to the Force Awakens, yeah, add those pre those pre books. I was I, you that, know, that actually surprised me. They didn't come out with those already. I'm surprised that like they had like the short story book, like the aliens mm-hmm. book, like yep. the five short stories, which would fit perfectly with like a lot of these characters to do that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, then they had the, the the prequel stories for the three main characters of Force Awakens. Um, so I mean, like, where are those books? I'm, like, were they waiting to see if Rogue One? That's what I think they're doing. They're waiting to see if Rogue One was popular in the first place, if people would buy into the standalone story, which they did. <laughs> it, thought, it made $155 million, um, $290 worldwide, two, right? 290 worldwide. It's the second biggest December opening of all time, right behind The Force Awakens. With by those wide margin. Numbers, <laughs> yeah, by wide margin. With those numbers, I mean... I it will probably be one of the top movies of the year. I mean, this year it was Deadpool, um, Batman versus Superman. So Deadpool did seven hundred something million. Batman versus Superman did eight hundred million something. Suicide Squad did more than Deadpool, and it would have surpassed Batman versus Superman if it opened up in China, but it wasn't allowed to which I thought was shocking. I believe force awakens will probably be, if it does 700 million, I think it would be amazing. I don't know if it will, but it well, definitely Rogue made one? money. Or sorry. Yeah. Rogue one. Rogue one. What about, what about civil war? Didn't civil war beat out those other movies? Civil war always. I mean, yeah. the Marvel movies always, I can't remember. Um, how civil much war beat out, beat out Batman versus Superman's total within. Oh, never mind. 1.1 billion dollars. 
So Civil War was probably the biggest movie of the year. Oh Jesus! What? Yeah, because because the the money for Rogue One goes into 2017, still accounts for 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then now, Rogue One just put Disney into seven billion dollars global box office this year. Yep. Talk which about is the biggest options. I mean, like. Every single movie was a hit this year. Zootopia, Dory. I think we already talked about. It. I don't even want to go into it. Read. We don't need to. weekend roundups if you want to do that. But anything else about these characters that we've grown to love and meet for the first time? Um, you know, yes. Um, I do want to mention <laughs> Blue Squadron. Blue Squadron is something we don't hear about in Episode Four, pretty much because they all get murdered. Um, I did like the um, fact that my blue leader, um, what is his name? Well, the actor is the guy who plays the priest in The Exorcist TV show that I watch. Oh, okay. Um, I forget his name. Sorry, but it was cool to see him in that because I think he's a great actor. And um, he was, was cool. Like, I liked him. I was like, who is this guy? I'm like, oh, man. And I couldn't think about it, and then I, it came to mind. Um, and if you haven't watched The Exorcist, you need to watch that show. So I have heard. I, You know what I was curious about is that you had those two Mon Calamari. The one in the in the scene with all the other uh, Lions people was like, he's CGI. But then when you went up into the ship, it seemed like he was real. And then the second one behind him that was like gray he definitely was like a puppet. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why did you go CGI for one and then puppet for another time? I don't know, but I like both those guys. They're sweet. I liked how he was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's cool. You know what? Fuck you. I'm taking my fleet, and I'm joining those rebels. Yes. Ben, ben Daniels. Ben Daniels is the actor's name. I'm sorry. I had to oh, okay. Back to that. But those Mon Calamari, they are a very badass uh, race. Because you know what? The thing about them is that they they were rescued by by the Jedi, by the Republic. They have always stood by what is right in the galaxy for years. Yeah. So it's like they're not afraid to fight, and they'll they'll never be afraid to stand up for you know the the right side against in like oppression and and whatnot in the galaxy. So I I was surprised we didn't see Akbar, but at the same time, especially since we saw Akbar in Rebels. So I was kind of surprised I, that. I, yeah, I guess you're. I think because he was in Force Awakens that they didn't do it. It's fine because we don't see him. Like we can go back to the fact we don't see him in Episode Four, mm-hmm. so he could be off doing something else, and it's the best way to excuse the fact that you don't have him in this movie. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, great characters. Give Give us a new one because that grumpy, grumpy old one was great. Oh, he was sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is a good time to take a short break and then let's do our commercials and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Chris and I'm Casey from Gourmet Scum Radio. We're two cousins talking about geeky pop culture stuff. You a fan of television, music, and movies of the 80s? (laughs) Well, we are too. 
Do you like being transported to galaxies far, far away and the threat of troglodytes that go boom in the night? Well, we're going to geek out about it. Have you ever scared yourself listening to ska music while reading a comic book and sipping on a tasty Jones soda? Then this is the podcast for you! Gourmet Scum Radio is here to tickle your holes and make you believe in dynamite explosions right again. Make sure to check us out on Stitcher and iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter and check out our website at don'tforgetatowel.com. You won't regret it! There the bugger is. She's a big one, ain't she? Oi! Over 20 points of articulation, great sculpting, and look at the paint job on her. We've been looking all over for this one. Let's get them in our sights and end this hunt now. All right. All right. Steady. Steady now. Uh, Got him! It's the pursuit of plastic. Listen to the podcast from the creators of Don'tForgetAtowl.com, geek out about toy news, hunting, and histories on your favorite collectibles. All right, we are back. Those awesome commercials. We're going to get into Easter eggs that uh, we kind of found in the movie, other people found as well. Um, So... One thing I noticed, uh, not until I, I actually didn't realize this, it was pointed out to me, and I guess I just didn't think about it, but there was unused footage of red and gold leader from A New Hope that was used in this movie. So stuff that was intended for the original Star Wars movie, but never was used, and they incorporated it into this one. I didn't know that as well until after, and I read something about it. I noticed it. I know it's like, wow. I mean, they're putting these... They're putting the actors in. I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, it's like, it's not CGI. It's it's the actual actors. So I I, I guess I should have thought about it more at the time, but I didn't really care. <laughs> I was like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a great touch. I mean, yeah. it does a great fan service to A New Hope. Um, it's a great way to really just like tie, tie the two movies together. I mean, take out the ending credits of this movie and play a new hope and it, it's it's one big ass movie i mean like that's really it um i did actually want to mention now i'm talking about credits the lack of credits bothered me the first time the second time it didn't bother me because i already knew but the opening crawl not having it in there i was like you're just waiting waiting for that Star Wars fanfare and to not hear it, I was like, <gasps> and then it did come and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny because there is no fanfare in, uh, in, um, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Well, I mean, no, like, not the Fox fanfare. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I know what you're yeah. saying. The, the Star Wars, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I know, I know. Um, there's not in, For- oh no, Force Awakens starts with like, no, it does. No, I know, but it, I mean, we're used to 20th Century Fox. No, that I, I know I what really you're saying. Know. I know, and it goes, it opens up with a Star Wars theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm still not bothered by it because I know. I don't. I I guess it's. I don't know. It doesn't really bother me because I actually kind of like the way it, it does play out. It was fine. It's like you know, I I got over it, but it was still kind of like. 
It's surprising. It's Star Wars. You know? It's new. It's new to us, and you know, it's something we'll get used to. But it was. It was. I, I. I see what you're saying. I mean, it's the first time we don't see it. So. Yeah. So you grew up with that. Yep. Yep. And everything. Um, yeah. The next bit of Easter egg was the mention of the dark saber. Um, when Jin and Cassian are uh, finding the plans for the Death Star, um, they have to use, there's a bunch of like, code names associated with it, and she yells out the name Darksaber, um, which is one of, it, it could be one of the many Rebels' ties that we're seeing or hearing or whatever in this movie, because in the last episode that we watched of um, of Rebels, we see... Sabine pick up that dark saber and you know we know that uh Dave Filoni has said that this season we're going to see a lot more of Sabine and her Mandalorian heritage the dark saber is very much tied to the Mandalorians and how they can use that to combat the Jedi's which we saw in the Clone Wars so I thought that that was a really cool uh easter egg I also thought okay now how do they open that up you know probably in rebels you know what what is their what do the imperials have to know about the dark saber i think it's very convenient too seeing that was one of the last episodes we watched so yeah 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 it's uh you know it's it's all connected um i guess truly truly in this movie it is it really is um I mean, there were some other names that were thrown out there, but I didn't understand. Like, to me, they didn't do anything. They probably won't. Maybe they will eventually, but at this point, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, continuing on with the rebels uh, references, we hear the name General Sindula. Um, Chris and I were going back and forth. Is it Hera? Is it Cam? Her dad. Um, Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter this weekend did confirm it is in fact Hera. Um, so she will live through Rebels. I don't know if anyone else will, but that to me, that was awesome. You know, seeing her in like the lineup, you know, she said Phoenix Squadron. <laughs> I would have flipped out, but even hearing the name, I flipped out, you know, little, little geek goosebumps, geekly goosebumps popped up. There was no Phoenix Scotch, and there was no A-Wings in there, which was not surprising at the least, seeing that there was no A-Wings in Episode 4. I guess they had to kind of tie that in together, you know. But... Yeah, you want to talk about that, let's talk about U-Wings, let's talk about AT-ATs, yeah. let's talk about Shadow Troopers slash Death Troopers, let's talk about Scarif Shore Troopers. I mean, like, there's a lot of things that are not in A New Hope that we saw now. What people there is explanations to how they could not exist anymore. Well, seeing that he did say my squad, like if Death Troopers were created specially by Krennic, they were all killed. Bullshit in this movie, but yes, they were all killed. Troopers, Shore Troopers, if if they were only created for (laughs) for uh for uh Scarif, then yes, there's an explanation to that. Same thing, hover tank, yeah. uh, you know, when Jetta ended, oh, that was another Easter egg I didn't put in here. The uh, Clone Wars transport um, vehicle, which Jin is getting transported from the uh, the prison in. Oh, that yeah. was a nice little nod. That the, ha- the hammerhead that pushes oh, the Star Destroyer. God. 
That's straight out of Rebels. You've never seen that until Rebels, and now you see it in a movie. So apparently, though, that was seen before. Where? Um, in I can't remember. I read it. I want to say that the Hammerhead was in something else. Was it called Hammerhead Corvette? Yes. Yeah. I want to say um, it was in Knights of the Old Republic. It might or, have been something like that. I, I if, if it's Knights of the Republic, it's still not canon. Right, but I'm just saying like... It was you, created for that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this for this person, I mean, I don't. It's not considered canon. So, Hammer was a group of three CR ninety Corvettes in the Rebel Alliance fleet. They were the second group of three wave Corvette attack on the Imperial blah 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 and called Red Wind Star Wars X Wing Tour of Duty. <laughs> so, obviously, not canon, but adapted. But adapted. I think so. That's what it was from it was from one of the games, one of the um, miniature games. It was created in that. I'll take it. I would totally believe Dave Filoni being the huge Star Wars nerd that he is and Pablo Hidalgo and all those guys are probably like, well, obviously he put it in Rebels, so yeah. Um, Without a doubt. Yeah, but that was that was cool. That was one of the coolest things ever to see that, that uh, those Star um, destroyers getting rammed into each other and taking down that shield. That tiny shield that only took place in that one spot of the <laughs> But it but it didn't. It was a it was a planet wide shield, wasn't it? It, it was, was a planet wide shield. It was like Endor. Yes. Yes. I just With that one opening. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I just thought that was funny. Um what I did notice was the turn uh, Kara Blast was said um, by uh, that character Paz. Um, did you notice that the second time? I did notice that. Yeah, he screamed it out like in the middle of the uh, when you first see the ATACT coming at them. He was like, "Oh, Kara Blast!" <laughs> yeah, which is Zeb's line in, uh, in Rebels. So that was cool. That was cool. I actually really like that guy. He looked creepy as hell. He was neat. Yeah, I have his toy. It's awesome. Um. And then we saw the ghost a few times, um, Harris ship, which makes sense if you're calling General Sindula. And then we see Chopper as well. Uh, didn't make any noises or anything, but I guess somewhere on the screen, I think he, in the very first scene where we see Jin, I, I think he shows up there at, at uh, Yavin 4. I, I didn't see him, though. I was looking for him. The second time around, I did not see him. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take another viewing. Uh, people say he saw him. I want to see a screenshot. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, right. You know what? I, I don't believe it until I see it. And people um, are just saying, like, I saw a red droid that was similar to the, like, not Chopper at all. So I, I don't know what they're, they're talking about quite yet. I won't say no, but I didn't see it. And I looked. Um, speaking of droids, the trash droid, you could hear that noise on the Death Star, which I thought was really neat. It wasn't in the Death Star, sorry. It was in um, Scarif. Which like, droid? Oh, the mouse droid? Yeah, mouse droid. Mm-hmm. I think, isn't he a trash droid? Doesn't he pick, isn't he like a Roomba? Doesn't he pick yeah. up? 
I, don't know. I know he's called a mouse droid, but yeah, I'm sure he's like a Roomba. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, I heard that noise, um, which I thought was a neat reference. The guy on Yavin 4 that apparently just the air traffic controller. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, that was a nice uh, little little oh, nod there. Yep. Um, we heard the name Captain Antilles. We saw him. Did you? He's the one that goes at the end to Leia. Oh, the really? Walk- yeah, that's Captain Antilles. Uh, okay. So, All right. I'm pretty sure that. I mean, he he has a different jacket on than everybody else. Um, I would say that was him. I he's he's addressing her as right. like the lead as the lead officer. So. Right. Um, I will I will assume that's him. Just like I assumed that Bothans were in episode seven, but then I was wrong because for some reason they couldn't even bring Bothans into the world. I guess they all died. Manny Bothan. I thought Manny Bothans was in episode seven. Manny Bothans is in all episodes. Oh my god. Alright. Uh Red no, he was, no, no, Bothans were not. It was a different species completely that they created that looked just like Bothans. No, I'm saying, but the name of Bothans came in episode seven. I never heard Bothans. Maybe he said once, but not the character. Oh, not, sorry. Jesus Christ. Episode seven. Episode six. Oh, yeah. Many Bothans died. Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Bothans, no, they, there was that one general in episode seven that you would believe is what a Bothan looks like, but he is not referred to as one. And I don't remember his name or his species at this time. Anywho, Red Five standing by. Um, oh, not standing by anymore. <laughs> exploding by. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least it explains how Luke Skywalker got, gets to get. Yes. That was. I mean, that's awesome. a great way to do it. I mean. <laughs> It's just such a good way to pave the way, and uh, yeah. I, I really respected that move. Wish I would have saw Porkins, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, CGI Porkins. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got, of course, um, C three PO and R two D two, as predicted. As predicted, but this is the one that threw me out of it because I wanted to see them at the end. Like in the ship. Yeah, I could see that. I, to put them where they were, it was just too kind of weird because I, for me, I don't know why. And it's just a stupid Star Wars thing. Like, I didn't think the blockade runner was in Yavin 4. I believe that the blockade runner probably would have came from Alderaan. And like those droids would have been in Alderaan. I didn't think that they would have been in Yavin 4. I thought why they not? Would have was there. I know, but I thought he went to Alderaan to go, hey, I need you to go get Obi-Wan. You know what I mean? So, like, why? You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense timeline-wise. It was, like, it was fine. I wanted them to be there because that's the fiber that runs through Star Wars. But it just it's a stupid little quibble. Um, We already mentioned Cornelius and Pondababa. Um, we can we can mention again because you know you'll be dead if we don't. Um, because you know, Panababa's I mean, head was massive compared to what he looks like in Episode Four. Yeah, it was the angle. Yeah, it was, it was a very giant tarantula. I was like, yeah. oh, that's a great. It's a great cameo. Those two characters are really cool. Um, 
yet you know they meet their end but at the same time it's it's fine i mean it's uh it's just tying those worlds together oh yeah world building <laughs> yep. yep um in one of the first shots in the in the movie is a cameo by blue milk which i thought was awesome <laughs> they literally zoomed in on the blue milk uh i was like okay well looks like he got a cameo <laughs> so that was that was cool and jin is also carrying a, a stormtrooper doll which yeah. is kind of funny too that's weird <laughs> that is weird it's like why would your dad give you this like he hates these guys like yeah. what's the deal with this it wasn't a voodoo doll or maybe it wasn't yeah exactly exactly i mean even in star wars world there's marketing Yes. <laughs> yogurts, uh, yogurts there's selling uh, his merchandising. <laughs> um, Bail Organa mentioned uh, Obi-Wan. I don't know if that was sprinkling a hint that, hey, you guys remember Obi-Wan? Maybe he should have a solo movie. Um, I, I think, we've, you know, we've talked about it. We have. I mean, that mention only... I mean, it it's only a tied episode four. It doesn't really. It is that all. It, it just sends. It just opens up the mission that Leia's on to deliver the plans to General Kenobi, right? Because her dad tells her to do it. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, we're gonna get an Obi Wan movie because, like I said, watching Jimmy Smith's a little bit older play that role, I can't wait to see you, you and McGregor a little bit older play the Obi Wan role. I mean, yeah. it's it's gonna happen. There's no doubt in my mind. No, I, I agree. Hugh McGregor was the greatest thing about it, about the prequels. There's no reason why he should not reprise the role, and 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 do a movie on Tatooine. And especially where he's fighting cry at dragons and shit. Yeah, the fact that he wants to mm-hmm. as well. Like he's open to the idea. I mean, the dude's coming back to train spotting after 20 years. Like mm-hmm. he's he's all about it. Um, speaking of the tie to Obi Wan, you, you know, we mentioned Leia. So seeing, like, we we talked about it in last episode that we were going to see this maybe actress playing uh, Carrie Fisher, you know, maybe another lookalike, like the Mon Mothma actress who looks just like freaking Mon Mothma. Um, So we we got CGI Carrie Fisher. Who's actually hotter than Carrie Fisher. (laughs) She looked just like... Carrie Fisher, and she said hope, and it was awesome. And it ended the movie, and it was, it made you feel hope. Me, person. I, I, I did. The minute she said hope, I was like tingling in my balls. It was yeah. hopeful. <laughs> You're hopeful for that. <laughs> that ball tingle. Always. If if we're going to talk about ball tingling, then we're going to talk about the greatest thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, we but, saved the best for last. Yeah, we saved the best for last. But right, real quick, so first thing, Ralph McQuarrie, for, I think it's for Empire Strikes Back, right? That he drew this scene, like the castle for, for Vader? Yeah. I don't think yeah. it was for A New Hope. I think it was no. Empire. It was... It was it was first introduced in Splinters of Mind Eye, right? Right. Yes. But the the McQuarrie drawings were for each movie. I would say it was 
it was probably after because I think what Vader does is he goes back to the castle after his defeat in A New Hope. Fire Strikes Back, early concept art yeah. called Bast Castle. Yeah. yeah. Um, this castle is where Vader uh, trains because he has nobody to spar against. So he like trains against droids. Um, we also see the Imperial Red Guard in there. Maybe he trains with them. Um, it's oh, also sure. where he goes to hone his force skills and to heal, as we saw in this movie, where, well, first of all, why is he on this fucking um, planet that is a living volcano? I assume it's Mustafar again, where he burned to death. <laughs> like To me, it was just like, I wouldn't go, like, if I drowned, I don't go and hang out in Waterworld. Like, I, I stay Mon- on the land. Kel- Mon Calamari. Right. He's like, you know what? You took my limbs. <laughs> like, I'm completely scarred. I have to use a robot suit in order to to talk and to live. And yet, you know, this is where I'm going to hang out. <laughs> that I thought was kind of funny. But it was you know still what? epic. He dwells in anger. So I mean, what better place for him to like, to like, peak his anger skills? You know, it's like maybe he feels the most connection to the dark side there because he truly lost himself there. So I mean, I I'm convinced it is Mustafar, and I love the fact that they brought that castle in. I mean, it's something that we've heard about in Starless mythology for decades, and it's 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 great, like Darth Vader mythology, and it's it's. It was amazing, like I said earlier, like to see him in that regeneration tank or whatever he's in, back to tank, and he's just like just his 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 core body. And that and that who is that like the guy in the, the robes who we thought was maybe an un you know Vader in just deep helmeted Vader. Helmet, yeah. but that wouldn't make any sense because Vader has no arms or you know, arm and legs. So it's like it's a it's an alkaline because he gets the name Lord Vader. You know what I mean? Darth to, to the emperor, but Lord Vader to his minions. So, you know, he's, he's worshiped and that, that is something that also carries on into episode seven. You know what I mean? Like where these people are worshiping Vader and looking for his, his relics and his artifacts. So Yeah. It's it was it was powerful and, and seeing that imagery of that castle, I was like, oh my god, it's coming, it's coming, he's coming. <laughs> and you know, we, we talked about it. He he chokes out Krennic and kind of puts him in his place. And Krennic's like, oh, uh, you know, he's like, oh, are you uh, are you nervous? And he's like, oh no, I'm just like really busy. And he's like, oh, okay. You're really busy to talk to me? He was like, oh, no, not that. <laughs> yeah. Even after he gets choked out, he's kind of like smiling, too. It's yeah. weird. It's well, like... he was smiling because Vader confirmed that he was still controlling the Death Star. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, I mean, who does that? I mean, it's really stated. Yeah, it was It was funny. But in, in like that right there, I was like, okay, if that's my Vader scene... It's not as much as I wanted, but I'm not going to complain about it because I got to see this castle and I got to see him yeah. in the back to tank. And, you know, that all it really excited me. Mm-hmm. But then 
the the <laughs> the greatest I want to say 60 seconds. You know what I mean? It was short, but it was it was the greatest 60 seconds I've ever seen. <laughs> no, even the second time it it's short, but at the same time it's not because you're just you're so there's a lot to take in in that scene. You're just in it the whole time and you're just watching him slice and dice and force throw and choke and everything. It just like like ravaging these these rebels. <laughs> it's like so you're just eating it up. Yeah, there's like a there's like a disk drive from like 1977. Yep. <laughs> that gets downloaded. Yep. And they know, okay, these are it. These are the plans. And they're wearing those stupid helmets that you see from the 70s. And then you're like, okay, I know these guys. <laughs> okay. These guys, okay, this is when when Vader comes onto their ship. So you're assuming that you're on the blockade runner. At least I did when I first was introduced to the scene. And they're like, okay, we got to get these plans. And you know how dire it is. You know what it took to get these plans. And they're running and they're running and they're just like, okay get these plans, get these plans. And then you, you, you know that Vader got called and you don't really know, like, like Tarkin's like, ah, I'll take care of the planet. And they're like, well, what about the fleet? And they're like, Lord Vader. And like, you know, he's just like, whatever Vader, you know, goes, I'll do, I'll board. I'll board. No, no. It. After wait, he wait, wait, wait. Shows up out of hyperspace. Right, that's what I'm going to say. Like he just shows up out of hyperspace. Well, super ships are trying destroyer. to go. No, in the regular Star Destroyer. Whatever, I don't care. It's awesome. And like as these rebel ships are trying to go into hyperspace, and like destroyed, <laughs> go comes in and they start hitting his ship, and it's like that. That alone is like amazing. Yeah, it's, that like, was awesome. Pure devastation. They're just like. Oh, he's here. It's over. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, form a, you know, get a boarding party. And you're like, well, this this facility is going down. Do you really need to go? Yes, he does, because he's fucking Vader. And this is this is taking me back to Kieran Gillen's comic that was one of the greatest comics. It dipped a little bit towards the end, but the beginning of that comic is so epically insane. Like we mentioned in the comic where, like, he flies... Out of his his ship, through space, cuts open the side of a, another ship and kills everybody in this comic. So you're 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 and in Lords of the Sith, he does some wild shit. So you're in your head, even though cinematically Vader, his his you know kind of um, legend hasn't really been growing because Episode Three destroyed it. Um, this this movie and this scene made you remember why Darth Vader is the most feared villain in all of cinema history. And so they're running, they're running and they, they get to like this part and instead of seeing white smoke, like we see in episode four, we see black smoke. It's not even smoke. It's like the fucking symbiote starts coming out of the walls and it's completely dark. And then you see the, the red lightsaber click in. So, a couple things about that. A, they had talked about Jedi, and like Boz is like, no, there's no Jedi. You know, they're gone. They, you know, whatever. They're all gone. So people don't really think about Jedi anymore. The Emperor and and their propaganda pretty much said that Jedi's are gone. They're dead. They don't exist. 
fuck all of them, burn all their records. So as far as this galaxy goes, Jedis are just hokey wizards. You know, Han Solo and his, you know, thinks it's all trickery. It's Chris Angel yeah. stuff. So we haven't seen a lightsaber this entire movie. You see this lightsaber click on. And right there I go, oh my God. And I start getting, I start shaking a little bit because I was like, wow, that's crazy. And that I thought was going to be the end. I was like, oh, okay, we get it. Vader killed everybody. It doesn't explain how they got the, sh- you know, the, the plans, but I still would have been okay with it. But then he just starts fucking going insane. They're shooting at him. He's absorbing the shots uh, like he does in uh, Empire Strikes Back, and just taking him. He fucking takes this dude, dude shoves him to the he, top. Of he takes the shots and he throws them back at them. Yeah, he does that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like. <laughs> That alone is is insane to me because it's like you see him like deflect on shoulders. Well, it's like uh, Yoda. Well, yeah. Well, you see, like Empire Strikes Back, he deflects on solo shots. In this one, he takes it and he like just throws it back at them and kills them. I mean, uh, but he takes that dude, shoves him to the (laughs) top of the ceiling, and then as he's still doing a bunch of like lightsaber stuff, he just swings it up and he cuts the dude's belly, cauterizes it, and the dude falls down. And then he takes another dude, force chokes him, throws him, and then this one guy who's who's got the plans, he ends up, you know, giving it to another guy on the other side of the door. But Vader goes and shoves his lightsaber through the guy, through the door, like Qui-Gon does at the beginning of Phantom Menace. And it was like, are you kidding me and then at the end he's standing like he doesn't you know they escape to get in the blockade runner vader's standing in the middle of space yeah looking at this this ship escape and then you know 10 minutes later five minutes later whatever he's gonna go after that blockade runner and, and it's a new hope but that right there that scene and seeing vader in space was like cut out of frames of the comic and i was like if this was a solo movie that was just Vader, probably the Emperor, maybe Dr. Afra, maybe Black Sun and Jabba, like she's or I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. But if I saw a Vader movie, I would flip the fuck out based off of what I just saw for 45 seconds. That was that was insane. We'll get it. We'll get an in-between movie someday. <sighs> Just worked myself up again. I was literally shaking and crying watching that. I, I could not believe myself. <laughs> it's one of the best endings of a movie I've seen in a long time, to be honest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. It I mean, satisfying. You, could, you can say, like, yeah, the end of Phantom Menace is, or Famous, um, Force Awakens. The end of, <laughs> the end of, well, actually, yeah, the end of Phantom Menace is good. Um, the, the end of uh, The Force Awakens is good. But this. This blows that ending away. Yeah, we waited all movie to see Luke Skywalker, but um, but he didn't go and fucking yeah, exactly. He just stood there like he was like dumbstruck that somebody found him. He's like, ah, oh, God, now I gotta go do something. Um, but this, this is like what we waited like decades for. This was we've only, we've only read about. Yeah, this, animation form. No, <laughs> this this ending was the best ending that probably saw in a movie all year. I mean, I love Civil War. I love Deadpool. I love Doctor Strange. I love Zootopia. I mean, I loved a lot of movies, but like I came out of that going, holy shit. Like this was 
Star Wars. It was more than Star Wars. It was it was fan fiction done to the best level ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when people write fucking Harry Potter fan fiction and they try to make these little side stories of like his parents before they, you know, showed up in the movies and shit. And it's like, okay, this is horrible. Like this is, this is that, you know what I mean? This is like Gareth Edwards being a fucking fan and growing up and getting to put his dreams of like playing in a sandbox and, taking a stormtrooper versus a rebel dude and shooting and being like, you know what? What if I just went to a goddamn beach and, and shot that like an actual beach? Well, like I said to you the other day, every star Wars movie from here on out is fan fiction. Basically. If it's well, not, not the saga films. Yes, it is. It's not by George Lucas. I'm sorry, yeah. It's not by George Lucas. It's, it's all, it's all because people love Star Wars. It's yeah, I not, guess you're right. It's not by the maker. So, yeah, this is right. the greatest fan fiction of all time. Yeah. It's our dreams made real. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Any closing thoughts on Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which they dropped from the title, but I thought that was fine. I mean... A Star Wars story is really just the poster movies. You have a star, like everything that's within this realm of one shots, one offs are Star Wars stories. No, so, I know, but they didn't add it to like the. Opening. No, 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 because it is the movie's called Rogue One. Yeah, it is, which is fine. And if you want to keep calling like a Star Wars movie, whatever, whatever, I don't, I don't give a shit either way. But um, I have nothing to say about Rogue One anymore. I do say that it does prove that. I will watch any solo movie they put out because I, as much as I love saga movies and the saga movies will always be the heart of this, of the uh, franchise. Thank, thank God for Disney and that we're going to see more of these because thank God for Kathleen Kennedy. Oh my God. Thank God for Pablo. Gal. You yeah. Know, it's just like Dave Filioni, like all these people that have put their like heart and soul into making star Wars, a better universe than what George Lucas left it, um, you know, to, to repair it, to make it what we all wanted it to be. Because like as fans, we had certain expectations for what star Wars was to us. You know, <laughs> George Lucas gave us the, he gave us the beginning, but really what grew the universe was the love of it. And, and authors who, who wanted to develop and go more deep into what it really meant to all of us as you know as an entity and one of the greatest sagas of all time oh yeah that that absolutely is correct he's we're now being able to take those those foundations and building blocks and just expand upon it um yeah you know it's going to be really hard for ryan johnson for episode eight and it's going to be really hard for uh the you know Chris Miller and Phil Lord for Han Solo because it's like you got a you got a really high bar. I, I'm not worried about Episode Eight, but Han Solo is I, that's the movie that if I was those guys, I'd be like, "Whew, let's really dig into this script and really, really make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do." Because this movie, the fact that 
it took something that we have been familiar with for 40 years and made it better, in my opinion. It made A New Hope a better movie. The Han Solo movie, it's not, I don't think it can make these movies better. No. It makes Han Solo possibly better, but then it's like, you're never going to be Harrison Ford, dude. Ever. It's it's a story that we've always wanted and a story that we've heard. And we've, Han Solo or this one? Han Solo. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a story that we wanted to see. Um, a story that we've we've gotten backstory on in the in the previous canon um, that I think really does deserve a place in in this new canon um, and movie as well. I mean, you could write a book, you could do comics, but Han Solo as a character needs a movie, and I think that you know from these two outings, I have a lot of faith in what what they're doing with this universe, and I. And I will, I will I'll put everything behind it until I see the movie. And I really think that, you know, the, the team they put behind it is a good choice yeah. for the tone of the movie that it should be. And I really think it's going to be like a, you know, um, a heist comedy movie, you know, whether it's like him going and freeing Chewbacca or whatever it's going to be. Or, you know, I, I think it is the right team behind it. And they also have to differentiate themselves from what's done already because in Star Wars, there's so many different levels of what could be done. I mean, it's it's a living, breathing world. Um, Rogue One is a war movie. Um, the saga movies have their own place. So I really hope they do take a different direction with a Han Solo movie and make it more comical and more um, more like a buddy movie with him and Lando or whatever they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the tone has to be different. And I think, you know, like I said, with those two... It's it's they definitely put it in the right hands. Yeah, they do. They you know those guys, what they've done with like Twenty One Jump Street or even like the Lego Movie, they know how to handle comedy. Especially, they know how to handle action, um, and they have a good team behind them with Kathleen Kennedy and Disney and everybody. They will kind of keep them to stay on target, <laughs> and uh, I think I think they'll do a good job. Well played. Um. All right, that's 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 it. Where where can you find us? Uh, we got a great website. Don't forget to tell dot com, uh, where you can go there every day uh, to find something geekly, uh, news, reviews, interviews, and the sorts. Uh, we also have a great presence on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook at Don't Forget to Tell One. Yep. Uh, on Twitter and the Instagram, uh, D-F-A-T-O-W-E-L, So follow us, like what we do, comment, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening, um, whether it's on Stitcher, on Android, uh, and if you're on Apple, if you're on iTunes, um, rate and review us, you know, Uh, give us some feedback. Um, a lot of you guys are really good about leaving feedback on the website too. So we thank you for that. Um, you know, or email us at don't forget to tell one at gmail.com. But either way, um, you know, we're going to be doing these more consistently as we've mentioned before. And we actually have a pretty special podcast coming up probably in the next episode. I would imagine, um, we're probably going to do another collaboration with gourmet scum radio. Um, so, Stay tuned for that and some other 
fun things in the future. Chris and I got Toy Fair. Um, that's always a really, really good time. And all the collectible news. If you guys aren't listening or following Pursuit of Plastic on um, Instagram and, you know, we'll have to get better. Maybe that will be an, another New Year's resolution is do more Pursuit of Plastic podcasts for you guys if you're into uh, toy hunting and toy collecting. We certainly have enough to talk about <laughs> a few episodes. Yeah, at least once a month. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I, I just got a toy today. Um, yes, and actually, do. stay tuned. Uh, we're going to you know try to do more uh, YouTube stuff, I think, this year. Um, we were really big into doing f- toy photography. Um, kind of got away from it, but I think we'll be adding more toy photography to the website as well as um, getting more, especially with the stuff that we're getting, doing some more unboxings. Um, Chris and I have gotten really heavy into the one six scale toys, and I think that those deserve unboxings. We, we got a comment today on the Marty McFly unboxing, and I was like, oh, all right, that's cool. Someone's still looking at this. So nice. <laughs> check that one out. But, um, yeah, guys, lots of fun stuff coming up on DFAT phase. Fuck, four, four and a half. I've been really good. I actually haven't sworn this episode. I was going to try to keep peachy. Damn. I think you're all the, way to, all the way to the fucking end we made it. I know. Fuck, I shit. Get... All right. <laughs> and this is Casey saying, uh, fly casual. <laughs> ah, and this is, Chris, this is Chris. May the force be with you. 